Hey guys, welcome to our wonderful podcast, Confessions of a Pastor's Kid, a.k.a. PK. Now, we created this podcast so pastor's kids everywhere can share their story and debunk some of the common misconceptions about what it means to be a PK, all the while telling their very real stories in hopes that a PK somewhere will realize that they are not the only ones dealing with their struggles. This is going to be a very interesting journey, and we hope that you can stay with us the whole way there. Let's get going. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. And welcome to episode number eight. And today we have Ashley Earl with us. She's all the way in California, is it? Yes. Okay. Come on. So uh, we just want to welcome her um, into this wonderful podcast. I hope you guys are blessed with this podcast. And I'm going to hand it over to uh, my big brother, Samuel, who's going to share a word of prayer. All right, just wanna just wanna say thank God Almighty for uh, for this amazing day for for giving us um, this day to talk to Ashley and to learn about her life and for her to share to the world her life growing up in a pastor's home. Lord, uh, we continue to ask for your guidance and your blessings. Watch our words and let our words be fruitful. Um, let our words encourage people that are going to hear it, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before before Dr. asks the first question, I want to officially introduce Ashley a little. Ashley Earl, um, student of Point Lemon Azarine University, amazing woman of God, uh, amazing person, actually. Um, just uh, all around good person. Um, that's why I hired her to work for me. And uh, and then I found out that she's a PK and we hit it off and we have so much uh, fun working together, maybe too much fun working <laughs> together, but um, I'm so glad to have you here, Ash. Yes, thank you for having me, you guys. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So now before anything else, can you tell us about yourself, um, about your testimony, you know, especially when it comes to being growing up as a PK? Um, yeah, growing up as a PK, I was really, um, I guess you could say desensitized to just like, um, a lot of the, just a lot of like the doctrine and like, um, the Christian community. And like, I definitely got like into the routine of like, just being a PK and like being in the church and like, um, just the routine of it. And I definitely had to find, like, I had another faith journey with God on my own, like when I came to um, college and like left my church family and home, just because it's, it really is like a, your actual family in a way when you're a PK, I feel like, because I just grew up there and like, they saw me grow up and like, they knew, well, I feel like they know everything about you and like, it's kind of hard to like be like other people sometimes when they're mm-hmm. like there. Cause mm-hmm. like, I know like the altar call was always like a big thing for me. Like I was always, I would feel the prompting to go sometimes, but I would always yeah. like not, cause I didn't want anyone to think I was like going through anything or like, I just didn't want people. It just felt really like personal. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I definitely had, um when I went to Point Loma I it was just like a hard adjustment just because I think every um 
I think every like minority student that goes there has like a little bit of an adjustment that you get there because it's just like a big culture shock. And even if you were in like a predominantly white area before, it's still different, like at Loma. And I think for us, it's just different when it comes to like, I think everyone has like that phase of like loneliness in college, but I feel like it sometimes it hits different for us. And, um, it was definitely hitting for me and I was just feeling like really alone. Like I felt like I really only had God. And so it was really like I had a time to just like spend with him. Cause I didn't really have other friends or, you know, other like things from like home distracting me. I really felt like I only had him. And so um, I started going to the rock church, which is actually like um, a big mega church in San Diego but um and I wasn't I've never been to like a mega church like that I my church is like pretty relatively small and um I've always been used to just that feel and I I know a lot of people don't really like mega churches because they feel kind of impersonal but I really liked it because I just felt like I was able to just meet God there and it didn't really have to do with like the people necessarily because it was so big it was like I didn't know anyone it was like you know and even when I kept going like I still didn't really know people that personal so it really just felt like the place where I met God and like where other people met God and um I got to just kind of experience God in like a different way and just have like a more personal experience like through that I'd say but um but yeah, that's pretty much, that was that, like, yeah. that journey when it changed at Loma, for sure. That's that's awesome. And, you know, as, as, as you speak, and I'm like jotting, jotting different things down. And, you know, you kind of talk about coming into Loma, into, and, and, and for Lomas listening to this, I'm not going to be a lot of Loma people listening to this, um, especially for our people of color, students of color it can get very lonely uh, when you go to what is termed as a predominantly white campus, right? And being a black person. But actually walk me through how you felt coming from, you know, like you said, relatively small church and being a PK and almost being like a celebrity because everybody knows you, right? You're a pastor's daughter. So like you said, you can't, you can't turn around and be some different, right? Because everybody knows you, and so that kind of puts you a little bit on. And I, I don't. I, I'm not saying this happened to you, but some people would be like, "Like everybody knows me. I'm like a celebrity here." And then you come to Point Loma, where nobody seems to even care, or most people don't even seem to care enough to even ask you anything. And 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 that loneliness. Walk me through how you kind of maneuvered your, your way through that and, and, and how do you maneuvered your way through that? Yeah, I definitely, I'd say like that phase of like the journey is over for mm. the most, or just, it's just a different, I think I'm like going through different things in terms of like adjusting to Loma now yeah. and loneliness um, in that way. Um, but just, yeah, when... I first got there. Yeah, like you're right. When you're um, when you're at like when you're a PK at a small church, you do feel like um, 
you almost do feel like a public figure in a sense because you yeah. do have like, a reputation to like like you have to like make the family you gotta be perfect mm-hmm. you know and yeah you have to you know and everyone thinks you're goody goody you know preacher's kid or whatever or they think you're like super bad there's no in between (laughs) no in between and um it does feel like a lot of pressure and just like a lot of eyes on you for sure um and then yeah loma it's like it was so different but i don't know it was almost like it almost felt like not felt like but what i see it sometimes is now is like i feel like god was like kind of just like cornering me into a space where like I was forced to like focus on him because like I was always like putting it off when I was at home just being like oh when I get older like that's just like a thing I'll do when I'm older because like I'm already going to church like every you know I'm I'm, like super in it I just thought like I'd start taking it seriously when I got older and like just kind of you know I was, I would try not to think about it too much because it would stress me out, you know, yeah. <laughs> try not to think about it too much, but I had no choice but to think about it when I got to Loma mm. because I was just like, um, I only had him, but yeah. it was cool because I got to like actually have, it was like a more personal thing, you know, for mm. the first time. I feel like a lot of, um, or just my whole life, God has always been like definitely a father figure but like, I don't know. It's not even, I mean, cause in a way he's like my dad's boss, you know, in a way <laughs> it's like sometimes or when you're younger. And so it's definitely, it's all like encompassed in that. So I, it's like a different experience and when people like kind of just meet God, you know, naturally I'd say. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what I more felt like at Loma was like a natural, just like meeting God in that way where he's like, um, it was almost like he was like a, a new like a new friend I was like meeting and like getting to know and like mm. spending time with and it was just like a completely different vibe like he felt he literally felt different than like how it felt when I was at home here wow that kind of led me to actually my next question because um it's I'm listening to the story and 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 I can almost things and correct me if I'm wrong that when you were back home, it almost felt like a chore. Like you feel like, all right, well, I have to, I have to go to church. So I guess I'm going to go to church. And your heart really wasn't in it until you were cornered, like you said, when God said, all right, now I'm going to really make you come to me now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Walk me through uh, the journey where you, you slowly begin to realize your own faith, your own life as Ashley, and not, you know, um, your dad's daughter, right? So basically, when did you realize, and this is my faith as compared to my parents' faith? Mm -hmm. I think I always, I always knew that for sure, like that my faith journey is like diff like it was separate and um I always like I I always loved God so and I always I always had like a relationship with him um so even when it did feel like a chore I felt bad 
for it feeling like a chore but I'm like honestly bro like I'm just like not you know (laughs) she said honestly bro you know like I gotta do a lot you know and like so it's like it was still there I was just kind of like putting it on hold in a way and just kind of like focusing on the chore aspect or just treating it more like a chore but like um I definitely had my own like perceptions of it because like the way my family is and the way my dad is is we always like he was super passionate just about God in general so he just talks about he would talk about him and talk about the Bible like a movie like it would just be a cow it's it was normal for us to like debate and like talk about different interpretations and like stuff like that in terms of like um just like how the way we perceived like different things in the bible and like god and we would talk about like our relationships and with him and we would have devotions and stuff and like it was all something that i did feel and like did get into in the moment sometimes but like if i wasn't in the mood it was easy to just kind of like autopilot put it on that like tour mode where i'm just like i'm a pk i'm just gonna do this because i have to or whatever like this is my life so I'm going to do it. But when I really would like try to, when I feel, I feel like God would like try to like be like, actually like try to get past that shallow thing I was doing. And I would just the, get, the lukewarm you know, stuff. Yeah. And I would just be like, Oh, when I'm older, when I'm older, like I would just get kind of like, it was just kind of get too much for me sometimes when I would think about it. But wow. um, Yeah. So I got two questions, actually. The first one is, when you were putting it off, weren't you ever nervous about the rapture? Because me personally, putting it off, I'd be like, but what if he comes like in five seconds? So you really taking like a risky step by saying, oh, when I'm older, like, weren't you ever nervous about that? Yeah. And that was why it was part of it, too, I think. I think the rapture and like the end of time and just like death in general was, um, or just like second earth and heaven and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think because I knew about that, like so in depth at such a young age, it was like. In the back of your head. It was like just, I, and I had OCD. I was like a weird kid. So like, <laughs> it was like too much for me. So I would just like sometimes not think about it at all because I would think about stuff like that because that was my biggest fear was like not going to heaven at first like that was my biggest fear. I used to have OCD about lying because I I for some reason just fixated on the the sin lie and I just thought like if I lied I was gonna go to heaven I mean if I lied I was gonna go to hell but not like realized I like I would think that like if I got the answer wrong like if you asked me something and I told you what I thought but it was wrong that was a lie and then that I was, was a lie so mm-hmm. I would literally say I think before I would answer any question, <laughs> safety blanket. Like, I, this is what I think. Like, I'm not telling you. Wow. So, Just cover your bases, right? right. It's like technicalities. Like, I'm not missing heaven for a technicality. Literally. <laughs> and, um, I was just really fixated on like going to heaven and like then I would get even more scared because I was like, okay, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, if I only love God to go to heaven, like, that's not right. That's like not the point of this. Like Mm -hmm. that wasn't right. And so that would freak me out too. And then I would just, I would just overthink. And so I would just keep doing that. And then I would just have to shut it off and just not think about it at all because 
I was yeah. thinking about the rapture and like dying or like being too late and stuff. But I was just like, yeah. So um, when you were like introducing yourself, you said something about when like you didn't do altar calls, like you didn't go up for altar calls because you didn't want people to think you were going through something. And in all honesty, been there, done that. Where it's like, uh, you need the help, but you don't, or there's nothing going on, but you just don't go because you don't want people to think something is up. So, um, like what kind of pressure, like apart, do you think like there's a pressure that comes with being a PK? And if so, what kind of pressures did you face, you know, growing up in your father's church or in general? Mine were pretty... I don't, I don't know if every, I don't think every PKs were like this, but maybe, actually, maybe. I think um, one of my biggest things was like coming, I was always like, felt a lot of pressure just about being like spoiled and like, like entitled or like bratty or anything like that. Like I was always super, um, I'd always just try to like not I don't know how to say it, but that was just like, I used to hate like people thinking that I was like spoiled or like something like that. So I'd always kind of just kind of put, not put myself down, but in a way, like try to like do that so that- Like downplay things? Downplay, exactly. Like downplay things because I didn't want anyone to like think I was like spoiled. And then like, um, and I think there was like, I think it's natural for people in the church to think that like your families or the PK or the pastor's family is like perfect. And like, everything's just like super good and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, they definitely, I'd say like my church family did, did have a role in that I'd say, cause they did like emphasize that a lot, but like, that's natural. I, I'd say that's natural for like them. To, I mean, everyone, the grass is always green on the other side. Like you're always going to think that, but um, yeah. And then like, I don't know. I just also, I didn't want to like seem like I was like trying too hard. And I was really an overthinker, but like, I think when I first started like going into the big church and not the kids church anymore and like altar call would come up, I'd be like, Oh, I didn't want to go up. Cause I didn't want to just like go up. Cause everyone else was going up and like, I'm, mm-hmm. hey, and I'm supposed to, or something like I, I was almost like, I didn't want to be fake uh-huh true but then I was being fake about it because I wasn't doing it just to not do it you know yeah so I think the devil really just tried to like mess with my mind a lot um to prevent those things because it's it's like irrational when I'm like saying it out loud it's like a rational thing that doesn't make sense yeah. but um yeah I just felt yeah I felt those those two I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah, no, you're not. And 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 to be honest with you, I don't think um, those are irrational, right? Because growing up as a PK, you know, and th- there are some fundamental, foundational beliefs of practices that's universal among all PKs. And you just mentioned one, right? For the most part, the parishioners will think you you guys are perfect. Yeah, you know everything is squared away, but I I know you can't you use the word spoiled, and I and I kind of want to go back to that a little. Uh, and when you say spoiled, did you like? Do you mean 
Like, what do you mean by the word spoiled? Is it? Did you did it feel like you were from a well-to-do home or everything was handed to you because you were a PK? Um, no, not because I was a PK. My mom like does have my mom's a doctor and has her own practice. Um, so I think that was always like a big part of mm. um, our identity, like our family's identity was um her like her job. So even though she was like a worship leader and really, and my dad was a pastor, that was always like something really well known and like mm. talked about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think that had to do with it. It was like actually, yes, kind of like having some wealth. Yeah. But um, also I think just like the, just being spoiled in other ways too, just like a like privilege, you know? Just yeah. Like being like, the pastor's daughter, like in children's church, like maybe not getting in trouble as much or like getting away with certain things or like stuff like that. I don't feel fault, right? Mm-hmm. Just because the Sunday school teacher didn't get you in trouble. That's not, that's on the Sunday school teacher. That's not on you. Yeah. One thing, no, too, I don't see it like when I feel like sometimes it's a blessing that trickles down from your dad to you because like people respect your dad so it's like okay we respect the head of this church so it kind of trickles down to you so sometimes it's like for me it's like an in-between where some people kind of like treat you badly because your dad's a pastor and then there's some people who treat you really good because your dad's a pastor so it's like we more so have to like most of the time my mom always tells us like focus on especially me like focus on those that are that treat doing, you better. That treat like that are doing good because those that are bad, they, like like you were saying, people are always going to talk. People are always going to expect you to be perfect because you're a preacher's kid. Like, don't focus on that. Like those people that are around you that are uplifting you, because I was just telling them before, like we were rolling. There are people that do defend pastors' kids that like you know look out for them and everything. But like you know, like the special treatment. I feel like that also sometimes comes with it. Like, yeah, well, you know. so, and 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 you, and you kind of bring up a good point, and and I think, I mean, I don't know if actually you can you can relate to this. For me, especially in my line of work I'm doing right now, when it, when it comes to like prejudice and and stuff like that, um, whether you're treating me bad, like for example, people think that you didn't get in trouble because you were a pastor's kid. Maybe you did something that you're supposed to get in trouble, right? But the Sunday school teacher is saying, I'm going to be nice to you and I'm not going to get you in trouble. So that's a good thing for you that you don't get in trouble. But that's bad because you're supposed to get in trouble. You're a kid who did something bad, right? So it's kind of the same where, you know, when we, when we talk about stereotypes, right? And people will be like, well, that was a good stereotype. Well, it's still a stereotype that I it's don't want to. It's a stereotype. Right? Yeah. You know, well, all black people know how to play sports. That's a good thing that you know how to play sports. Well, that's a stereotype, and I don't want you. And plus, not all black people can play sports. I wasn't, I didn't, I think I misspoke. Like, I didn't actually do something. It would be like something would happen, and they'd be like, oh, that's just because you're a preacher's kid. Like, right. Oh, so whatever happens, yeah. Right. It wasn't like, I honestly was, I wouldn't really get in trouble or anything. I wasn't like bad in that way. I honestly, I feel like sometimes they were harsher on us, mm. but it was like, that was my fear was like, 
kids, other kids saying, oh, you're not going to, or like just, or even like the adults too, like saying like, uh, like. So it was a fear of yours to have people think that, oh, this didn't happen to you, that, oh, because you're a preacher's kid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My head then like. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. But that, but that is real too, that you could, you could be very well doing the best you can about something and, and no one, no one can give you credit, right? Because they kept saying it's because you're a pastor's kid. Yes. Right. You could do something great. Oh, you're only doing that because you're a pastor's kid. Oh, or you're supposed that to do that. Or like you're, or supposed, you're supposed to, to do, do that. that. Yeah. That's actually perfect. Cause I want to ask you this. Did you ever uh, serve in a church or were you ever pressured to serve in a church? Not pressured, but I did serve in the church. Yeah. What did you do? Multiple things. I, I was like on the youth worship team. I was um, in like the little gospel choir for a little bit. So she can sing. <laughs> I don't know about that. I was- <laughs> <laughs> all right. We all know Ashley's going to join the next Point Lomas uh, Voices in Praise group. All right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she's like no please no please <laughs> too late it's out there i'll let bella know <laughs> uh, but you can continue oh wait what i'll say you can continue <laughs> um and i don't remember what it was i was like on board for the the youth team too i think it was like treasurer yeah. <laughs> or something oh. that's awesome <laughs> Hey, so I, I know a little bit about your background. Your parents came from Jamaica. Here's another side story. This, so, so here's here's a really cool story. I hired Ashley, and and anyone that I hire, and if you if you listen to this and you want to work for me, you know how I hire people. I do my research on you, right? So I Facebook stalk Ashley, and. Um, I found out that we have one friend in common and it just so happened that one of my closest friends when I was in grad school happened to be Ashley's, um, was it Godmother? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Ashley's Godmother. And it was just really cool. But anyway, I said that to say, so your, your parents are from Jamaica. By the way, um, your Godmother has the best Jamaican accent ever. <laughs> Um, she could be she could be angry and yelling at you, but you're like I can't really I, <laughs> I can't take you serious because it just sounds so sweet coming from you. Um, so walk me through how life was. I know you were born here, right? You were born here in the U.S. So was there? Do you feel like there was a difference? I guess maybe if if Alex was here, I probably would ask him this too. But was there a difference in the way your parents were with your brother, who kind of grew up a little bit in Jamaica, than mm-hmm. they were with you in America? Yeah, my brother and my older sister both grew up there, and my older sister's older, so she was there longer. Okay. Um, and they he wasn't a pastor at the time in Jamaica. Mm. So it was like a completely different lifestyle. And he was also like really young or both of them were really young. Um, I'd say, I'd say probably they were stricter on them Okay. Uh, or not stricter, but maybe like more disciplined, I'd say mm-hmm. just cause like American culture is just different in general than like Jamaican culture. So like 
us going to school, like the stuff that happened then, it was definitely different from like stuff that happened in school when they were in Jamaica. So um, just in that sense, but they did try to, I mean, they did have similar, just like morals and beliefs, like in between those times. Yeah. But um, I definitely say it's probably different just because of the culture of like, just the different countries and like yeah. the way it Cool. Oh. So I'm going to ask you a question. And this, I want you to answer honestly, even though your parents might be listening to this. <laughs> um, so looking back in your upbringing, right, the values and everything your parents raise you with, is there anything that you like to change? Mm. And why or why not? Take your time. Mm. Should we put a Jeopardy song on? (laughs) (laughs) No. Like, the older I get, the more I agree. I realize, like, the truth Mm. and, like, everything they've taught me. And just I value, like, the stuff I learned from them. Because, like, the stuff that other people be doing, like, out here, like, it's just, like, it's, like, two different worlds. It's almost, Mm -hmm. like, I can't, like, like, honestly... Well, I don't know. I don't want to bash America, but like, <laughs> like it's just like different, different values and like different mindsets. And like, I'm so grateful from like having, being like from an immigrant family and like having mm-hmm. that like background and like that because it's just different. No, I no. agree with that though. I agree with that because like when you come from an immigrant household, like discipline, especially the way in which the discipline is different from here. So something like I remember when I went to college and I saw how some people were and then I'm like, wait, you you literally curse out your mom like in front of people and she doesn't do anything to you. If anything, she's telling you I'm sorry and trying to calm you down. And I'm like, hmm, you know what? I'm grateful. I'm grateful for how, because I call my parents. I'm like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for spanking me. Even mm-hmm. though I might not have agreed, but thank you for that. Because some people out here acting reckless. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, even just a code of conduct, like the way that people treat others, like out here, like it's just the way I was like taught to treat others and like the way I was taught to relate to like other people is just so different than like others that I've learned like seeing yeah. it. Well, it, 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 for me, it's, it's one of those things. I, I, I've, I've talked to people here and this is not bashing America. Sorry, America. We're not trying to bash you. We love um, you. But people will, will ask me, you know, if I got spanked and I'm like, yeah, I got spanked. And then they'll be like, oh my God. So you were abused <laughs> as a kid. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I wasn't abused. I was, I was a bad kid. <laughs> you know, you deserved like, it. You know, I, des- I deserved it, and and like, there's not many things that my parents raised me with that like I would change. You know, I spank my kids now. Um, and my wife and I were actually just talking about this the, uh, last night. Uh, my son, when when I spanked him once, got really mad at me and called me a very mean dad. Um, you go, you're the meanest dad in the whole wide world. And I swear to God, the first thing that came to mind is to just burst out laughing because I know he doesn't mean it. 
like I was trying so hard to hold it in because I didn't want him to see me. But she couldn't. <laughs> no, no, no. I tried because I was like, keep it in, keep it in. Because I wanted he was doing something bad that he needed to know that the seriousness of what he did wrong. Mm-hmm. So I could so I couldn't laugh in front of him. Plus, also, he was really angry, and that's just not cool when a kid is really, you know, showing his frustration and you laughing. That's that's that your parent don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm trying to keep it, and I remember walking out of his room and just like laughing, like, "Are you serious right now?" <laughs> and, but you know, I'm taking some of the things my parents raised me with. Right. And, and, and I'm taking that with me. And and I'm glad to hear that you said as you get old, you begin to see value in what you were raised with and, and, and how you were raised. And, and I think and especially as a woman, I think I think it's really wonderful to to hear that, you know, that, oh, my gosh, I know what my mom went through. And I, I now I understand what why she did what she did or why she told me what she told me. It's really, really cool to hear that. Really cool. You have any questions, Dorcas? Um, first of all, she said that she doesn't sing, but you're, you're like in choir, both choirs. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you are a singer. Um, like when it comes to serving the church, okay, let me ask this fun question that we've asked other people before. Do you think that preachers kids make good pastors? Hmm. Um, I don't think it has, I think it has to just do with like, if you're called or not to be a pastor. I think that some preachers kids do and some preachers kids don't, you know? Yeah, that is true. Anyone only the only people that are like good at being pastors are the ones that are like called to be you know called into ministry by god i feel like are you called into ministry ashley <laughs> not so far <laughs> <laughs> she, she seems happy about that though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm pretty content with my <laughs> you know what's so crazy sometimes like you were saying it um I think it was you that said it. Like, sometimes God looks at you like, hmm, well, I'm just going to wait and get you where I want to get you. And then uh, because sometimes some people, they might not know what their calling is, but then like they think, oh, I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be this. And the next thing you know, like a couple of years from now, they're in a the pulpit preaching. Like, oh, we thought you didn't want. He's like, look, God had different plans. Like one of my friends and I, we always say that sometimes God look at our plans and laugh like, like, no, sis, this, this is not it. Trust me, I've been there. <laughs> I cried when I heard what my calling is. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. Why me? Because, you know. I won't be able to hold this tongue, but that's okay. <laughs> but it's all good. It's really, it's really cool. So Ashley, um, I know you were, um, you're the, you're the co-vice president for Black Student Union. And um, walk me through how you got into the social justice activism. Um mm. Um, well, I think the way it is for a lot of like, like black kids who grow up in like, um, 
or go to schools in like predominantly white areas, it's like there comes a point where it's just like in your face and like that's when I mean I for me like I know that's when it changed was like I just noticed stuff that was ways that I was being treated like differently and um the older I got I just got more angry about it and like then I got to a point where it was like above me and like what was happening to me and like Mm -hmm. I realized like what was happening to other people and like the community and just like just the like the weight and like the reality of that um and that's just like growing up as well like the older you get the more you learn in that way but um so just being in high school like um I was always just like it just always really or just injustice in general just gets me really upset (laughs) and like passionate and so I think like it's just like I mean one of the biggest like injustices is the way black people are treated in America and so that's just like it was a natural like thing to like be passionate about and like um I was in BSU in my high school and um and then like that was the first club I looked for when I got to Loma was BSU I wanted to join and I would go every every go to all the meetings and I ended up like becoming friends with some of the board members and like I would get to like work with them on like their um like on like inside like stuff that they were doing for the club and like get more into it and just like stuff that was going on at our school and just like just like speaking up in general Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just hard for me not to if if I'm like if it's like so blatantly not fair or not right and so I think it's just like that natural that was just what was like in me and it just like it was inevitable just like a natural pull to join BSU Mm -hmm. well I like that because we do need great leaders like in that are in our youth you know to to kind of to speak up and speak out because it sometimes it seems like they can't I don't want to say they can't hear us it's like they don't want to hear us that's how I view it like when people are speaking out against injustice it's like, ah, we hear you, but we're going to ignore you, you know? So, uh, well, I'm glad you talked about your journey <laughs> on how you joined BSU because, um, like, I was never really a part of, like, BSU or anything like that, like, in high school. I don't even know if anything like that existed in our high school. I'm not sure. I might be mistaken. Um, but when I went to college, one of my friends was like, um, I'm not going to go to school here anymore. So and she was president of our it's called Black Awareness Society. That was our BSU, but with a different name. And then she's like, and I want you to be president. And I'm like, oh, oh. Okay. And then that's when, like, you know, even though I knew what was going on in the African-American community and injustice through that, I learned a lot more. And then, you know, 
and like you said, it's like a pull. So when I see something like injustice happening, like like you, I do get angry. And it's like, how do I navigate? Like, how do you navigate the anger that you feel when you see, you know, some things happening? You know, like, especially when sometimes it may feel like you can't change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how it did feel for so long, or especially in high school, because now I'd say like um, activism and just um, this topic in general is just like more generally accepted by society and the public in terms mm-hmm. of like um, just the injustice in the black community. But um, when I was like younger, they made me feel like I was crazy. Like I would say stuff and they made me feel like racism didn't exist. And I was just complaining and being bitter and like stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was just like, um, I forgot where I was going with that, but, uh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. So Ashley, you were a pastor's kid all your life. What do you like most about being a PK? Well, well, I'm grateful to like, I know, well, I don't know, cause I, it can be different for different PKs, but like, I'm just grateful for like being able to like have known about God, like my whole life and like just being able to like get the insight that I do from like my dad. Cause like, if I had to pick any pastor to like, learn from it would be him like Uh. even if he wasn't my dad like I really love the way he like um just teaches and like preaches and so um I'm just really grateful for like being able to like know God in that way like my whole life you know like everyone has like a phase or I mean I had a phase like that too but like I know a lot of people like they grow up feeling like something's missing or or just feeling even hopeless too because even when things were going bad or like it was sad or just whatever like I still had the truth you know in my head like I knew that like if I ever did want to get happy if I ever did want things to like get fixed and get right like I had God you have to go to God like I had the answer my whole life so like I'm grateful for that even though I definitely um didn't what's I don't know what the word is like didn't take advantage of it and like took it for granted Mm -hmm. I'm just grateful that like I always had like him something like that all right so let's go the opposite of that what didn't you like about being a PK Hmm. well probably that's what I'm saying it's like it's a blessing and it's hard. Every, well, every, like everything has like an equal and opposite reaction, but, um, like, just like, you know, my OCD thing, like mm-hmm. did on, like, I, that was like really like just hard growing up. Like just, I think there was just like, I don't, I just don't think other kids took it as seriously as I did. Mm-hmm. And like there's a freedom in that and being able to live your life like without that pressure for like yeah. at least a little bit of time you know but like yeah, I yeah. always was like super like you know thinking about like 
yeah, like the rapture, just like, you know, just like things like, like that other kids don't really think about. Not to think, think. Yeah. And I think that's why it's hard for it them to understand us because the mindset is different. You know, they don't have the pressures that we do. Like you, when I was younger, I definitely was in my head a lot. You know, like, oh, don't do this, don't do that. What are people going to think? But then after a while, it's like, eh, you know what? Sometimes, like, you know, I have my days, but then there are times where I was like, you know, what would Jesus do? You know, like, that's that's literally what stops me nowadays from overthinking is what would Jesus do? Because what Dorcas would do is not godly. So I got to put the flesh, you know, <laughs> I have well, to kill Jesus, the flesh. <laughs> Jesus would turn over tables and whip some people. Well, yeah, but he won't do it cussing. <laughs> no, you know? he ain't going to do it cussing. No. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, so got to push that flesh down. Like, what would Jesus do? You know what? It's best for me to bite my tongue. <laughs> but, you know, but then I'm also grateful for the people around me, like in the church, like the congregation who always have my back. And I know, you know, I can trust them. Like those, those two. shout out to all in the congregation that are loyal. <laughs> And yeah, even though, like, I do talk about, like, you know, the pressure that they put on me and stuff, that's so true. Like, I'm so grateful for, like, my church family because, like, they definitely helped raise me. Like, my whole family, only my immediate family was in California and my godmom that um, Sam knew. Mm -hmm. But um, everyone else was in Jamaica. So they were our, they were, they were my only family, like, and they helped raise me for sure. And I'm so grateful for them. And for that. That's awesome. We really, it really does take the whole church to raise us for, for better or for worse, right? Mm -hmm. They, mm -hmm. they're, they are a family and, and we love, we love all of our church members, every single one of them. So actually the last question I have for you is, um, what do you call it? What is the advice you have for the PK who's listening to this right now? who just need, need something, right? You know, the PK that's like going through hardship, feels like they're all alone in this world. You know, what advice do you have for them? Hmm. Hmm. Puffy. <laughs> um... I'd say like to just focus on like getting to know God for yourself and like, mm -hmm. like literally just like almost like you're dating someone and like trying to get to know like yeah. who they are for yourself in your own way and not just like what you hear and like what you hear from other people's experience and because everyone experiences God in their own way. And if you're, when you're a preacher's kid, you're always hearing different perspectives of like people's, you know, the way they um, you see God and the way they like related to him. But like, you need to find it out for yourself and like find him for yourself. And mm -hmm. get, it's really just about, I would say, I want to focus on the phrase, like getting to know him. Mm -hmm. I think we use like a lot of like, finding and getting saved and like stuff like that. But like, it's really as simple as just like learning about the kind of person he was or not because he's not a person, but like just the kind of being he is and his like character. Cause like, once you do that, it's like so easy to like fall in love with him and like mm -hmm. trust him and like everything else is just so much easier once you do that. Like it falls into place. 
Mm-hmm. That is awesome. I like that. Getting to know him, man. And, you know, that that word, that phrase is an active phrase, right? Um, that means you consistently seeking him out. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a continuous thing. That's really cool. Thank you yeah. so much, Ashley. I really, um, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk with us and to share your word with us. Um, for our listeners out there, um, I want to close today with a Bible verse from Micah, Micah 6, eight, and it talks about, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And I want to focus really on the the phrase to act justly. Other other versions say to love justice or to do justice and to love mercy. And and and, and I wanted I wanted this particular word on this day that we got to talk to Ashley. And, and I want to commend her on her work on Point Luminary University's campus with, her, with, the, with the Black Student Union and, and with what you're doing to show the world social justice, what social justice should look like, uh, to show the world that we all do matter. So my advice to all my PK's friends and all my friends out there, um, this is what God wants for us. This is what he requires of us to do justice and to love mercy, to do justice for everybody, for the for the widows, for the immigrants, for those who are oppressed in our society. Look through your neighborhood. Who are the ones who are oppressed in your neighborhood? And act justly for them mm-hmm. and love mercy for them. So that's our word of advice for you today. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know Christ and, you know, don't know this relationship with Christ, uh, I want to lead you on a very short uh, altar call here. If if all this conversation we've talked about today, you've heard the name Jesus and you've heard God and you heard relationship and you've heard us talk about how we are and seeking him and getting to know him and you yearn for that relationship with God, well, I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ is ready to do that relationship with you too. Um, So if you are interested in asking God to be in your life, I want you to say the short prayer with me uh, real quick. Uh, So Lord Jesus, I want to experience your mercy today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I admit I'm a sinner and in need of a savior. And I'm inviting you to my, to my heart right now. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Live in me as my leader from now on. I believe you're a God who is rich in mercy. Now, if you said that prayer, this is what I want you to do. Know that those words doesn't mean anything unless it's followed by actionable steps. So this is my prayer for you, that find a community of believers that can hold you accountable, that can help you grow as a Christian, because this prayer does not mean that your life is going to be perfect from now on, far from it. That's not going to happen. But this prayer means, if you said it earnestly, that God is ready to reside in you and help you be the better version of yourself. 
if you live in a New Jersey area and you're looking for a, a Bible-believing church, you can come visit us on 900 Edwin Street in East, in North Brunswick, not East Brunswick, in North mm-hmm. Brunswick. Uh, the church is House of Faith Ministries. Um, they meet every Sunday um, at 9 o'clock, and the second service is 1130? 11. 11. So come up and... Um, Come and worship with us. If you live in the San Diego area and you're looking for a church, there's so many churches in San Diego. Uh, the church I attend is called All People's Church. Uh, we would love to have you. Uh, it's an amazing multicultural church where all people are represented. And I love worshiping there because it's heaven on earth for us because people from different tribe and tongue and nations and language gather together. Um, Ashley, you want to share a little bit about your dad's church and where can we find your dad's church? Well, my dad's church is in Victorville, California. It's in the Inland Empire. That's like two hours north from San Diego. Um, What's the name of the church? Life Church, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's like bblifechurch.com. You can go and find like more information there, but... um, Yes, Life Church, and it's also um, pretty diverse and nice, and it's like medium size, not too big. We're not having life ser- life live services right now, but um, they do have online services available. Okay. Do you have the address? Um, like the like physical, the physical address? address. Yeah, the physical address. It's all right. You can go to the website. Okay. <laughs> VV Life Church, right? Yeah, VVLifeChurch.com. Yeah, VVLifeChurch.com. Uh, check it out. It's going to be amazing. And hey, Ashley, we're so grateful to have you on here. Yeah. Um, I hope your parents are proud of you. Um, and I know they probably are because you're amazing. I'm proud of you as your boss. And um, I can't I can't wait to see you next year when we, we get to work together again. Um but we love you um join us again next week and uh, in two weeks time sorry not next week but join us again and um peace out love peace and chicken grease <laughs> all right guys that will do it for episode number eight of confessions of a pk shout out to ashley for sharing her story with us and a big shout out to you guys for sticking with us as always we have more in store for you so join us next time as we talk to monique martin for episode number nine trust me when i tell you you don't want to miss this one her episode drops on march 18th if you're not already please like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on instagram and twitter at confessions of pk and on facebook at confessions of a pk Love you guys, and as always, love, peace, and chicken grease. Peace.